Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. We recently joined as a member and you can too. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot CEO. Don't forget to add the two-on-one podcast in the how did you hear about Podgo section of your application. Now get ready for the rest of the episode. Guys, we're back. Are hey we? Guys. I think we're back, yeah. Pretty yeah, sure three it's of recording. Us. It's light outside, wow. I mean, uh, Sunday was also outside. light outside, but our <laughs> Wednesday episode is usually later than usual, right? That's okay, true. In Montreal, I don't see a whole lot of sunshine, so uh, I'm pretty sure we're in the same... I don't know what's going on in Toronto, but... Really? Same it's world. not pitch black, but like I, I can't, I can't see much. This is light. very really? corny to say, by the way, but I thought the sky in Montreal would be lit up by the goal sirens. Honestly, man, you know what? <laughs> so Montreal cheesy. have have this thing with Le Cage, which is like the like it's a sports sports bar chain, and they used to they have this promotion where if the Canadians score five goals or it's eight assists between the team, um, you can get a free order of wings. And they've wow. still been doing it. So this season's just been like every other game. That's I probably all but two games off the top of my head have been free wings. Because they were tweet their um the one of their Perfect. main accounts last night just tweeted like sweating like oh no, <laughs> no more. Please wings. stop. Please stop. <laughs> I just remember that reminded me of the championship run for the Raptors where, like, if they score hundred points, you get free fries at McDonald's. Like yeah. after class, after every game, I would do that. I remember that. W- weren't they doing that even during the regular season? But it was like Pizza Pizza was doing it. Yeah. And, and if you, they score a hundred points, or if they score a certain amount of like three pointers, you can. If you bring your ticket, I think mm-hmm. you can. Um, you can get a free slice of pizza. That's yeah. pretty awesome. That's pretty nice. Right. Um, there's, <laughs> we're having fun to start the episode. There's a lot of stuff that sucks that we're talking about today. So we'll start with the fun. Uh, I exactly. mean, it's the first thing in the dock, so I guess we might as well open it. I don't know what it means, but it just says Daniel's new hockey jersey yes. finally arrived. So take it away, Daniel. Yeah. Um, if you guys remember at the beginning of the season, I was so hyped. We were talking about the retro reverse. We we're talking about, you know, Adidas and their authentic jerseys always having these sales. And I was wondering, who am I going to get? Ryan Getzlaff, Morgan Riley, all these things. It's just, I don't know. It's kind of weird to me. Like for you guys, it feels like it was always so simple of who, who you wanted to get, right? So, Sometimes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty excited to show this jersey. I just wanted to actually wait until the episode. So um, okay. for listeners, um, please check the YouTube to see my new jersey. There we go. Yeah. All right, and here it is. Um, I hope you guys also like it as well. Like me and Alex? Yes. I. That's good. Okay. All right, here's my new jersey. Uh, oh, my. Um, yeah, I kind of, you know, I decided to go for a Leafs jersey here. but uh, so, so for I, those of you really listening like on it. the audio... Daniel has pulled out an Andrew Raycroft jersey. It's pretty great, right? Like, Maple <laughs> I Leafs, to, everything. I don't know if you're serious or not. That like, cookie no, I actually bought it. this. I'm serious. How much was that? Huh? If How it was, was it that? shouldn't be more than $10. It's priceless, guys. Over, over under $40. Right there. <laughs> 
forty dollars. Okay, I paid forty dollars. That's not terrible, but for the lols, it's worth it. That's a good. I, and for you know, the Andrew Raycroft, that's good. We always talk about him, and okay, two reasons I bought this. We always talk about him, and heavy emphasis on we here. Looking back, I love this equipment, and you know, for the nostalgia, he was actually the goalie in net when I went to my very first Leafs game. Oh, so, okay. I think about that. Second. Now I feel bad. Amazing. Feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> but also amazing, equ- amazing equipment. The mask, the pads, everything. So, also I just wanted a Leaf jersey. But at the same time, you know how I am with stuff. I kind of, when I, when I got this, my sisters were laughing. They're like, this is such a you purchase. It They're is. Like, this is really something it you is. would only do. <laughs> I don't know any other person who would, in 2021, willingly go out and buy an Andrew Raycroft jersey. The only way it would have been more you is if you had stopped opening the package halfway through and left it alone. <laughs> how is how is the Lego Batmobile? By the way? Oh no, we're gonna talk about that. But uh, let's let's focus on the jersey. You know, I I have it. This is my first Leaf jersey since quite a while, to be honest. Like. I think the last time I got a Leafs jersey was it was like a Kadri signed one. Um, I got to meet him, nice guy. Um, yep. That was like Leafs Fad Fest years back. Yep. That was really cool. Um, so yeah, this is my first Leafs jersey since then. That was like what four or five years ago, God, or more. That's a long time. So many options. What so was four many years options. ago, twenty seventeen. What was going on in the world in twenty seventeen? Nico Hischier um, went first overall. Well, yeah, the Leafs and the Ca- Leafs and Caps had their series. Montreal, New York. Who won in twenty seventeen? Pittsburgh's first, right? Uh, second. 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 Yeah, yeah, because yeah, then it was because uh, then it was Caps. Yeah, yeah, then Blues. Yeah, yeah, okay, 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 Tampa. Yeah. So yeah, um, you know how excited I was to show you guys this jersey. <laughs> Hold on, I'm sorry, glad. Sorry. I's glad you were excited. Twenty seventeen's the year that Pittsburgh beat Nashville, right? Yes. Yeah. And they beat Chicago. No, not Chicago. San Jose. Chicago. San Jose the year before. San Jose. That was it. Killing both the fan favorites. Why did I think it was it was Chicago who beat Tampa? I don't know why I'm thinking like this. It's a nice no, jersey, Daniel. Chicago beat. Na- no, Nashville beat Chicago. Was that that year or the year before? 2017 would have been the Pecorine ruined Chicago year. Yeah, and he only and, won three goals. Yeah. And then uh, yeah. Stan Bowman forgot how to do his job, but didn't yeah. say that. No. Right. Never said that. Not a great start to the season for the Blackhawks, to be honest with you. Not, no, it's not no surprise. No. <laughs> Injuries everywhere. COVID alert. We're talking about – I'm just looking at the doc, right? I'm like, okay. Good stuff for Montreal and Toronto, obviously. Like, you know, that's that's always fun. We're gonna rip the Sens in a second. Oh yeah. We're gonna talk New Jersey and Buffalo and COVID. That's terrible. You know, the stuff at Bell, the new cuts, that's just terrible. Tony D'Angelo is terrible. Colorado hurt all again. Marco Rossi's out for the Sam Bennett and goal. The NWHL is suspended. I mean, this is just a a carousel of bad news. Not a great episode uh, in terms of uh, fun content. There, there yeah. is some. We have to start with fun. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. In the jersey, you love to see it. So I guess let's let's talk about. I would say is the biggest piece of news of the day itself, and that is 
the NWHL, and this is from their official Twitter account, Twitter account, sorry, the NWHL and the Olympic Regional Development Authority, the ORDA, have agreed due to new positive COVID-19 tests and the resulting safety concerns for the players, the respective staff, and the community that the remainder of the 2021 NWHL season in Lake Placid has been suspended. You know what? There has not sort of been a, a more positive story for hockey than the NWHL has been for the past few weeks, especially, are we a bit biased here? Probably, but the Toronto Six have just been so fun. I know we're all fans of the SDP and, and Digit Murphy being on the last few episodes, just infectious as, as a positive person. And this is just such a blow. And I want the reason I, I wanted to open with this is because I thought, yeah, we can look at what's unfortunate about this, but also we can sort of celebrate just how much of a first step this tournament was, or not tournament, yeah, basically a tournament has been for the NWHL. Alex. Yeah, you, you brought up a really important thing right there about it being the first step. Like I think I I think we sometimes forget that you have to take your first step before you can really run. And I think we all expect it to be this great, great success, which I think in terms of what they were doing was a great success. And I think it was a really good first step. What I'm really interested to see what they do moving forward, because they're still from like, from the reading I've been doing, um, it seems like there's still this uncertainty in the air with what's going on with the, the NWHL, PH, PWHPA. But I think that they got with the NWHL specifically, they, they, they started and they kept going. And it's really unfortunate that it had to end this way. Mm-hmm. And I think Eddie, with no COVID, I think we're having a really different discussion about, um, about women's hockey. In, in a positive way, obviously. Um, so I'm very interested to see what they do moving forward because I think what they did with Twitch is real is is very yes. different than what anyone else has really done. So seeing how that relationship moves forward as well. Mm-hmm. Daniel, I think the unfortunate thing too is it's been the momentum that this had that you know we talk about the disappointments of the Canadian women's league and how, you know, that one had to come to a close. And then suddenly with this one, you know, renewed enthusiasm, especially during a pandemic where it is a lot easier to reach out to people, especially through the ways Alex mentioned with Twitch, that they're just finding the accessibility to really, you know, showcase these games. And a second thing was what I saw from like journalists that this thing was embraced that, I, I I was I was actually really surprised when they decided to do this because it's just I guess the reality of things and I've mentioned this before in talking with like other journalists including Lucas Weiss that you know like it's something that we should have cherish we should cherish at this time because you know it is it it is a big step forward but it's also in a way kind of keeps us with our hopes up you know in a pandemic that we have these stories that we can rely on and now to see something like this saying, okay, you know, we, we, we tried, we did our best, but it, it, it has to come to a close. But I guess for now, 
we'll see how things go because I really want this momentum to keep on going. Mm-hmm. And I also believe a story came out earlier that the Rangers are doing some stuff with the NWHL. The and in PHW, PWHPA. PH, sorry, yeah, the other side, the PW. And they're going to be having a game um, at the Garden, which, I mean, the Rangers need to get a bit of good press right now um, because of Tony yeah. D'Angelo. Um, but you, you just – I cannot stand – I don't know why. Like, I'm normally pretty good at not looking at comments of stuff. Um, but I don't know why. You. But there's a, you. You're not going to be saying that in a second. Any, anytime I see a I, I mean hockey it. post, I know what I'm going to see, but for some reason I click on it anyway. And you know that Warner Brother, like it's the gift of the um, what, what's the dun, 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 21st century Fox. Thingy? Yeah, yeah. The Fox thing. And it's like the no one cares gift. It's like, shut up. I, I just, I don't know how you it, can't get behind women's hockey and, and you know i always go back to the the um, last year's all-star game and how just the all uh, being an all-star in the na in like in hockey is kind of a joke almost in in, in the men's league but Currently, the women yeah. showed up for that three-on-three exhibition and just rocked everything and just yeah. honestly if you're somebody who just goes and just wants to say oh, no one cares it's just just making those sort of passive like sexist sexist remarks it's like Get out of here. I don't want you in this sports world. You're just scum of the earth. Yeah. It's also kind of like contradictory to a lot of things when people say, like, I'm a diehard hockey fan, but you don't really watch all of it, then. No, exactly. Like, you really ignore a huge part of it. Mm-hmm. Just be. Uh, uh, sorry. Go. No, I was saying? just going to say, I like hockey. Like, support all of it. Go ahead, Alex. Yeah, no, I just, I just wanted to bring up a point. I hate calling it a, a smaller league, but I think in the grander scale of things, when you look at all the other leagues, this one and, and another one that did something really interesting um, this year was the CPL, which is like the Canadian Premier League. They did their whole thing uh, on the East Coast. They called it the Island Games. And I think they really took advantage of the opportunity. And for me, at least, like it got me more in. Like I'm a fan of soccer. I went to go see like the York team's first game but i never got into into it the way i did with like british soccer or uh german soccer and stuff like that and i think taking advantages of the opportunities that you've that they have and they've done it mm-hmm. is really is a, is again a really good first step mm-hmm. what's really cool as well is is their viewership numbers really went up after that whole sort of feud that really broke out with them in Barstool. So it was nice to see that sort of spike in attention they got for their games of, um, you know, story for another day. But um, again, uh, we are going to, you know, definitely try and, and, you know, sort of talk more about the women's game. Because I think, I know you guys talked about the episode I missed, but um you know what, we got to do our, our part here. And we're going to look a little later at um, Haley Salvins of The Athletic, her women's Olympic roster. Um, because people were starting to look at that stuff earlier today. Blues GM. Why did I forget his name? Doug Armstrong. Uh, Bill Armstrong. Doug, 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 Doug. Doug, who's Bill? Is um, Bill the one in Arizona? 
Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yes, 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 yes. Hockey Canada general manager. Just thought I'd mention that smooth transition into into Olympic stuff. That's not the name I was most interested in, though. Is it Roberto Longo? Yeah. Like, does he get him? I'll, I'll tell you why. I'll, I, when we talk about the Olympics, I'll tell you why. Okay. Um, we'll we'll kind of try and spread out the bad news with the good. Uh, Daniel Marco Rossi. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so disappointing. That um, again, what I've mentioned before that given the depth on the Minnesota Wild when it comes to their center, like Nick Bustead and Victor Rask has been playing top six minutes. So you know that's a bit of an issue. That this was a guy that he fell in the draft. You know he's the the face of Austrian hockey in a sense, and he was supposed to kind of star for the Wild or again this season, and then. Apparently had complications due to COVID. I didn't know this, but according to Michael Russo, he looked sluggish during the World Juniors already. That there was something he was kind of dealing with because you're like, no, he had a bit of an underwhelming stride to him. And then they realized that he's still facing a lot of the complications from COVID-19. And that expectation of him coming to team in March is canceled. He's he's in Austria now. He's going to be there until the beginning of next season. Mm-hmm. It's really funny you tweeted that um, because I was just trying to find some of my other notes and I didn't realize I had Twitter open and I just saw, not sure what's being reported, the Minnesota Wild are dealing with COVID-related issues, hopefully manageable to be determined from Darren Drager. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, maybe it's just me. And and I know this was tweeted out. I can't. I don't remember who it was. But it's like you have to think what was like you have the complications. And I very like if if they're and I and I wouldn't I can't confirm it, obviously. But if there are complications and you still let him play, I get it's the world juniors. I fully get it's the world juniors, and I understand the importance of the world juniors. I'm not questioning that. But that ha- like that is a little questionable. I mean, if, if you watch a single one of their games, I mean, he he wasn't going to be able to do anything with the supporting cast. It just, there was no point. There was no point. So I, there's, there's questions there. And you know what? This is just, these are just such an important time for young players. And it's just, it's unfortunate. And you wish him, um, you wish him well here. Sure. Another sort of unfeasible, uh, blah, blah, blah. Never mind. What? See that me misspeaking is just, yeah, we shouldn't talk about that yet. Instead, New Jersey and Buffalo have had some COVID issues here. We started with New Jersey. Apparently there's some players there, COVID protocol. The Sabres were not happy about the whole situation because a few days afterwards, Rastus to Salinan and Taylor Hall were then also put into COVID protocol. And then the Sabres had games delayed. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it feels weird. We've talked about this before. So was Elliot Friedman, friend of the show, of course. Um, that you know, just feeling sort of disconnected from the American teams. It's just because COVID just just almost feels like a non-factor here in Canada. Sorry, in the NA, the North Division, shall North I say? Division. Even though you can get your hair cut again now in Montreal, that's great. Um, Damn. but I, I almost. 
in passing, I've been, you know, you hear about, ah, the Carolina Hurricanes are finally playing again. Dallas didn't play for like two weeks. But it is, um, it's really starting to be talked about now what the an end of the season sort of rush is going to look like. Vegas's game tonight has already been postponed as well. The NHL, of course, did sort of plan for this, but you got to wonder, Alex, um, when does it start getting to a point where you can imagine some of those Western teams are going to be playing maybe five games in seven nights if it gets too crazy. I mean, it yeah. seems far-fetched, but you can get, like, the end of the season may be extremely grand for these guys. Yeah, it's definitely going to be difficult. I think the more that these games are postponed, um, and I know they obviously they have they did create that buffer between the playoffs and the end of the regular season, just in case. Like, I mean, every every league has had these issues, whether it's the NBA, the NFL, the MLB have had these issues, and they've so they've created that buffer. Um, Listen, like if the if the Olympics are to be not happening, which is what was reported, obviously though, like it was ended up being denied. Whatever. Well, let's see what happens with the Olympics because I think if the Olympics don't actually happen, I think the NHL has a little bit more leeway and they have a little bit more time to work with because if the Olympics aren't happening, yes, I get they want to start the regular season next regular season in October like they usually would but let's say it gets pushed a few weeks that the next regular season you're not really working you like you don't have to finish by a certain time because NBC does not have much else like doesn't have anything else to show during those summer months because the Olympics wouldn't be happening right so exactly. I think there's a little more leeway there mm-hmm. yeah Without the uh, without the pressure of NBC, it's like guys, you're you're fine here. If you if yeah. you leak in to August, it won't be that bad. I mean, mm-hmm. even if it yeah. they go mid August, I think they can still they'll still be good for an October start if they really wanted to. Yeah, it's just all spe- based on speculation, I guess. Right mm-hmm. now, at least. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, we'll save the sense for a little later because there's just so much going on there. So much, so much, so much. All right. Um. Unfortunately, guys, Bell laid off about 210 employees, uh, half from the newsroom. And one of those sort of casualties was Brent Wallace of TSN. Um, Wish him the best. And this is just one of those reminders that, you know what, sports media normally is a sort of very small place to get into. And COVID just sort of adds that bit more. It just, it feels kind of scary is the first sort of thought I have looking at all of this. Yeah. And to all 210 of those people, um, on top of having to find a new job and deal with life with COVID, um, you know what? You have empathy for them. Yeah. And, and it's not even like, I feel like we, I mean, obviously we didn't talk about it every time it happened, but like from March until now, there's been loads of people who, who have been, um, let go like specifically not even just sport media in general just media as a or journalism as as a whole so yeah like it's it was already shrinking right like we've had this conversation in class and we've had this conversation probably outside class as well i don't think COVID 19 
made made it any better. No. Uh Daniel, it's all Yeah, on. there's definitely um I don't I had a pit in my stomach when I heard about the Brent Wallace news. And but that's the thing, like what Alex said, like, you know, he he is such a well known face being, you know, a beat reporter for the Ottawa Senators for so long. And you know, it's really a face that you could put towards like yes, Tia said mm-hmm. in that sense. And I, yeah, I think about the other employees as well, where, you know, it's such a precarious time when we think about media, because in two ways, we see it in a sense that, you know, there, there, there's not a lot to go around right now because of the restrictions. But at the same time, it's like, this is something that is kind of needed as well in terms of media and to see, to see like that, you know, that structure kind of going down. It, it is, it is a bit upsetting as as a student to look at that in terms of prospects but at the same time it's just it's just the reality of things and it it does happen in every industry but you know we just wish all of these people the best and Mm -hmm. i know a lot of comments and we said don't look at the comments but all the things like oh this whole thing about like you know this bell let's talk kind of thing like you know just just don't do that just Mm -hmm. keep the campaign as it is don't don't try to like mix in all these mixed messages of stuff it's just just feel for the people exactly um right um you know i i think of like the classic trade deadline jeremy franklin in calgary john lou in montreal and brent wallace in ottawa um sucks it sucks it sucks it sucks um, all right little intermission there um right lad. what'd you guys do with your break <laughs> um listen to star wars fanfare yeah. No, we're actually doing a really. I think we're doing a fine job of balancing out the fun and the difficult topics. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, difficult topics. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna read you guys a tweet here. All right, Nathan McKinnon, lower body week to week. Pavel Francouz, upper body, out week to week. Devon Taves, lower body, out week to week. Pierre-Edouard Bellomar, lower body, out week to week. Matt Calvert, upper body, week to week. Day-to-day injuries are fine. All right. Week to week. Yeah. I don't know what that means. I know it's bad. I remember a few years ago when Andre Markov was out week to week. He was gone like a month. The Colorado Avalanche are hurt, ladies and gentlemen. And we've heard this story before, except this time Nate McKinnon's one of the guys down, Alex. Except this time they don't have Michael Hutchinson, and I said it, okay? Oh. I'm just, but but you're right. Like, could could things honestly get worse? Yeah. Could it though? Ratnan and Landis Cog. That's, okay, fair, fine, fine. I mean, listen, they still beat Minnesota last night. Yeah, but Minnesota. But it's Minnesota. You're right. Yeah. I guess they, I mean, they've had a good start. I guess there are another case too, though with injuries and yeah, COVID. So you know they they, they grinded out the win there. It just well, then yeah. the argument is if Minnesota was shorthanded, so was Colorado. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, go ahead, Dan. No, it's just Sorry. like they're just um, you know, this might be a a a a preview of an article that might come out. I don't know, but um, yeah, like there's some players that I think. You just heard on each taxi squad. Like, I, I either forgot they were on the team, or I didn't know these were guys on entry levels that are being plugged into the 
lineup. You know, great on them for making their debuts or getting in some crucial games. But yeah, it's just it's, it's weird to me when you think about it. Like I look at the Colorado lineup as well, and you know, there's still the same guys that we expect to be there. But it's just these people here and there, and the way that they're kind of bouncing out their lineups now is just it's pretty interesting. Yeah. Like I think the thing with this with with what's going on is that it's really going to test their all their depth forward defense goalie right because they lost goal Pavel Francis goaltender they lost forwards defenseman I don't necessarily have an issue with their forward or defensive depth I think you know you already had Byram and Connor Timmins kind of in the wings waiting to take that next step into the lineup. And I think they have enough stars there to really take, like no one's going to reproduce individually what Nathan McKinnon can do, but I think they can do somewhat of what he can do. And I think they're already good enough that they don't necessarily need a hundred percent of Nathan McKinnon replacement. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The, the injury that stands out, to me the most though and i don't know if you guys would agree is pavel francis like we were already worried about their goaltending mm-hmm. pre pre-injuries and now they have uh hunter miska who's already played two games for them who's oh one and one that is not oh two and zero right I mean, yeah they do what they can but yeah grubauer too is just i'm a bit concerned about him because he's had a few injuries here and there he's had you know, inconsistency streaks that, you know, you when we talk about Frederick Anderson and he, he's gone through it before where, you know, you, you put him in those situations or Carey Price him in those situations. Like Philip Grubauer is almost 30 and he has never had those type of situations. He's not old, eh? Damn. Yeah, I'm just, I'm looking at their daily face-offs. I'm like, Jacob McDonald, Kiefer Sherwood, and Logan O'Connell and Sheldon Drees or Dries, I don't know, and neither do you. Because I know Kiefer Sherwood is a Ducks legend. Cool name, Kiefer. Yeah, Sherwood. I love it. Sounds like a like a a company that makes hockey equipment. It Sherwood, does. Sherwood does. Yeah, I know, but the Kiefer part. It's going to be adversity for Colorado at the end of the day, and another team that sort of faced it and came out on top. I just thought we'd take a second to acknowledge the Capitals are a 6-1-3, and and that includes a stretch without half their team. Just thought I'd mention that. All their Russian players. You know yeah, what all other, the Russian you, players. You know what other team had to go through adversity with injuries? Who? The Colorado Avalanche in the 2020 playoffs. Yeah. What 2020 year period? They would have beat yeah, Dallas. The I'll say year. that now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, maybe if I can get a last person for our fantasy league and maybe I can scoop up McKinnon if I get mm. dry in the thick and everyone's like, ah, oh, he's out. If let's you're see. listening to this and you like fantasy sports, if let us know. Will, yeah, the, listening, the, let me get back to me if I know if you're joining the league. The or clock not. is ticking. Yeah. I wanted to have us started on the first and have the draft the Sunday night before, but clearly that did not happen. Tough. When's no. the next? Uh, it would be next stage. Monday would be the next week would start. Okay. All right, um, though, I mean, fantasy is fun. Lineups, trades. Mm-hmm. Speaking Bucks. of trades, trade requests, left, left, right, left, right, left, right. A guy we talked about last episode didn't go into too much depth about Sam Bennett. Um, how do you talk about Sam Bennett? Is what I'm is listening. Sam Bennett? 
I've been listening to a few different. I'm starting to get back into hockey central at noon again. Been you know doing some reading about Sam Bennett and his start to the season. I'm thinking to myself, all right, okay. You hear things like he either wanted a position on the wing or tried playing center. Center didn't work out. Went back to the wing. You keep hearing Sam Bennett about his playoff game. That's great. But then you just never hear from him in the regular season, right? And you can see Joe Ward, but then, like, Joe Ward didn't have the draft pedigree of Bennett. And it's just I'm, I'm starting to get a little tired of hearing about Sam Bennett and his trade requests. Because, again, I think, Alex, you mentioned it last week. It's not the first time he's, men- he's requested a deal. Like, just – and I keep hearing this thing of if he puts it all together, like, is there is there a hundred percent effort from Stan Bennett every night? Because I didn't really notice him in the games against Montreal. I'm not going to lie to you. I I don't. He, my thing is I I don't know if I'm necessarily blaming Sam Bennett, and I'm not blaming the team either. But I'll answer your, I guess, I, I don't know if it's 100% effort every night. But I guess to go on the lower end, it's not Pierre-Luc Dubois one that one shift bad. No, no. Right? Like, I think the effort is there. I don't necessarily know if the skill is necessarily there at all times. And I think that's the issue. And I was reading Eric Francis's article and him talking about saying, you know, uh, it must be frustrating for Bennett. You know, when you look at guys like um, the new guys coming in, like Dylan Dubé, who obviously has been there for, I think, a year or so now, and Josh Levo getting chances in the top six. But the thing is, he got his chance and he's got multiple chances, right? Mm -hmm. So it's hard for me to... I don't necessarily feel bad for Sam Bennett. I think obviously he can ask for a trade. He can do, do whatever we, whatever he wants. I just think, think the way it got out is, it is so messy. Mm -hmm. And it's, I think the way it got out has made things look worse than they actually are. Daniel. I think, yeah, it's an interesting thing for me because when I look back on, I guess, you know, that, that chunk of time where the flames were picking in the lottery that they were never, you know, quote unquote, true rebuilder where I guess they were, they were forced to put Sam Bennett in a situation that he had time to kind of grow in a way, because where I see him slot in the lineup, I think that for where he was drafted and it was years ago already, it was about seven years ago that, he's been molded into that role. He hasn't exactly become what they thought they were getting in junior, but they, they said, okay, but you know, it's not like he's a bust in any way. It's, he is a key contributor in that sense. And I think that where he is with the flames right now, I personally believe, and he can prove me wrong if he goes to another team and gets top six minutes that this is, this is it. This is what we have with Sam Bennett, that, if he is rumored to go to another team, I really believe he's still going to end up playing the same role anyways, because mm-hmm. he hasn't really shown since he was with Kingston that he can be that go-to guy on offense. You know who he reminds me of in a complete polar opposite way? You know, Alex Galchenyuk has all the offensive skill bill in the world, but his two-way game is crap. Yeah. Sam Bennett, physical, hardworking player, but it's just 
is there there that finesse? But he, he, Lars Eller? it's no. so odd because it works. He he works so well in the playoffs. That's I'll the thing. That, yeah, and do you that's know what? the thing. Gouch came up huge in some playoffs. He's he scored some goals. I just again, it's that question of putting it all together. He, has, he never had I, forty points, you, right? Oh, uh, I no, um, Sam Bennett. He's I never don't think so. Forty points, yeah. The the thing the thing that keeps going through my my mind is it can't be about ice time. And I think we had this discussion last time. Like, I think Sam Bennett has to know that at this point, he's been in the league for what, seven, eight years now? Yeah. So, something along the lines of that. Six, seven years, I believe. And, this is and, seventh season, I believe. And, and it's nothing's really changed. Like, his role has been the same. They've tried multiple times, and it hasn't worked. So, I... I, I'm not saying there's something wrong in, in Calgary. That's not what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But there has to be something else there that maybe we're missing. And I think the fact that it came out now of all times, has to, it, it, it does not help the situation. No. You right? know what I think about yeah. that you, you mentioned, Alex? Do you remember that whole time where Monaghan, like Gujo, were all struggling and then they were trying Elias Lindholm back at center? Yeah. We never saw Sam Bennett in the top six during that reshuffling or that restructuring. That was last year, right? Yeah, when uh, they tried to try something new. And that's the point I'm making, though. Like, they didn't trust him. They didn't say, okay, let's try Sam Bennett again. Because how many times have they tried Sam Bennett? Plus, even in the playoffs, it it wasn't Bennett that lost them their series against Dallas. That was goaltending. Like, I... I don't see where either are coming from. And to answer your question about points, Daniel, his career high is 36 points, and that was his rookie season. He's never reached that goal plateau again. He hasn't reached those 10. Sorry, he's only been within 10 points of that. That was his sophomore and third season at 26 points. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, just, just to – I don't know if you guys had anything else to say, but I don't think – listen, they just had a players-only meeting. And obviously, I think it was in 31 Thoughts that uh, Friedman was talking about. You know, there were things that were let out and that things that were are going to be dealt with in terms of, I think the thing that he pointed out was the whole Kachuk and acting out and saying, hey, you can't do this every game. Mm-hmm. And then the next, the, the a few days later, the, the team is absolutely, bl- according to sources, this Eric Francis said, they were absolutely blindsided by this report that he wants to trade out. So at, at this point, either someone is lying in the, in the team or they are, the, the agent is not handling this properly. Mm-hmm. Um, something like that coming out to Elliot Friedman, hockey night in Canada. Nothing is done on purpose more than that. Anything and, you want to. So yeah, se- and at the second time, second yeah. time. Mm-hmm. That in the same night, imagine the second time in the same night that the same agent throws these things out there and the teams say, we have not been requested. There's no, been no request made. Mm-hmm. I think two more things that I just have on this is just that if you take away his draft pedigree, great player, plays his role, contributes when he needs to, especially what you mentioned in the playoffs. Great guy. Just take away the whole thing that he, the whole – fact that he was fourth overall and we're good um i think the second thing is 
if he does get dealt, I think that Calgary's not going to take too much of a loss on this, especially because he plays center. That they'll get something for him, but again, the team that's getting him is going to get what he's already shown in the NHL, what he can do. It's not going to be, all right, let's see what else is there for the upside. Uh, I disagree a little bit. Which which part? I disagree with that. They're gonna take a. They're not gonna take a loss because this is a. Oh, third I said o- not a not a big loss. Not a yeah, big but loss. this is a fourth overall pick. Mm-hmm. Like that's what that's the thing. Like I know we we shouldn't treat him as a fourth overall yeah. pick, but I think I, I think there's gonna be a lot of people looking at this, including Brad Tree Living, saying, "Hey, if I and it was that I think that was Tree Living's first year there." If I trade this fourth, my first fourth overall pick, mm-hmm. what, how does that look back on me? It's like, reminds me of Mark Jankowski in a way. Remember when he was supposed to go like late in the second or early third and they took him 21st? That wasn't trailing, that was uh, Jay Feaster. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It's just Calgary, I don't know. They're weird with their picks, man. Like, I, other than like Monaghan or like, Yusuf Alamaki. I can't really think of another memorable pick after in the first round after uh, you know, again the left. Mm-hmm. Well, um, the Flames. Trilliving. Isn't he? He's the son of the Boston Pizza Trilliving, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, yeah he is. Um, deep. And for those reasons, I'm out. <laughs> is he still on the show? He's yeah. Like, God, he's been there forever. If I'm being honest, it's not very good anymore. No? I'm not a fan of it. Of which one? Dragon's Den. Okay. I was thinking of Boston Pizza. I'm like, I haven't been there in a while. No, Boston Pizza is not bad. Boston Pizza is great. Yeah. Um, Okay. Where are we? Okay. um, Somewhere. I need, I need, okay. So I I was looking at Hobie Baker stuff earlier and I casted my vote for the Hobie Baker. Mm -hmm. So did I. Who did you vote for? Who did I vote for? (laughs) Caulfield. He's leading the the NCAA wow. in goals and points. Of course I would. I actually voted for Keith Petrozelli just because oh, wow. of the name. Okay. I'm so, Daniel, can you do me yes. a favor since you haven't voted yet, right? Yeah. Can you go to the site in the Google Doc? It's right okay. there, linked Toby Baker. Can you cast your vote and tell me what the leading, who's leading the race right now? Because when I checked, Caulfield was a ahead by a few percentage, and he was late to the ballot. Wait, this isn't the official vote. one, is it? Because don't the writers vote on it or whatever? Whatever this is, this Hobie Baker thing closes at the end of the first round, I think, in like March or something Mm -hmm. like that. So I don't know if if this is – I don't know. I'm not an expert on the Hobie Baker itself. Why are there like 50 names on the list? That's what I'm curious about. I don't know know about you guys. It was just very odd for me to have to keep scrolling and realize this is never ending. And Daniel, who do you think you're going to vote for? Um, you know, it's a guy I've always kind of supported, um, Spencer Knight. You know, I've never said anything about him. I always thought he was the best goalie, not in the NHL. If he could vote for Yaroslav Askarov, he would. <laughs> mm-hmm. If he could write in a ballot, he would. And just let me know who's leading the vote at what percentage so far when you do it, please. All right. Where is it? What do you mean? Hold on. Are oh, you there on it the is. Go- got okay. it. Got it. Do, do, do. Juan Daniel is figuring that out. All right. Yep. I mean, yeah, uh, you know, um, you know what I oh am interested in. What Cole Caulfield is leading with fourteen point four percent of the vote. 
Let's go. Jack LaFontaine of the University of Minnesota is at 11.1%. And everyone after that is like 3% or less. Yeah. Well, there you go. Trevor Zegras gave his support to Cole because he knows. Because mm, he, he knows. It to, uh, yeah, he didn't give it to Spencer Knight, who only has 1.1% of the vote. Well, you contributed to that, unfortunately. <sighs> This is your way of apologizing. It's like, no, he's a great goalie. Like, I, (laughs) it's over. You know, we we had our World Junior goggles on. We said some things we didn't didn't mean. We, okay. Yeah, like, wait a second. Let's just clear something up. It was not we. It was Daniel. Did you actually notice? Daniel keeps throwing us under the bus with some of these things. For uh, two (laughs) weeks, I actually try my best not during uh yeah during the two weeks of the tournament. I actually try my best not to talk too much about like Trevor Zegers or like Jackson Lacombe. Why? You should have. No, because they're like you know they're great Ducks prospects, but you know we we were going for Canada. Poor Trevor Zegers. When Timo Solani saying, "Get this guy in," you're like, "Come on, what are you doing?" Maybe Steve Simulan. Timo Solani should be the next general manager. No, <laughs> I mean he'd be fun. I like. I want more Timo in the game. All right. So last episode we had was right as Tony D'Angelo was placed on waiver. So many more details have come out since then. So um, we can't more. talk about half of them because it's not confirmed, and some of it sounds kind of wild. Yeah. But we do know that he is probably. Well, officially has played Jeff Gordon, GM of the of the Rangers. So he has Boy. played his last game as a Ranger. He cleared waivers, and Darren Drager said there is interest in Tony D'Angelo, and he wouldn't be surprised if in the next few days there is a deal to be made. And, guys, for a few days I thought, boy NHL, you know what you're doing. This guy's not going to, you know, it looks like he's done here. And then they all surprised us. didn't i I say it last episode i said there's more i did i say it last episode i said there's more to this story than we think there is this isn't just plain because yeah you're that's that's a good word that's a good word to use it's too swift the no 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 league just randomly changes their mind on on certain players like the way we think they should right Mm -hmm. (laughs) like there was obviously something missing to the story we found out what it was but I am I he personally I'm not to, surprised. So he said something to Alexander Georgiev after a communication that led to a goal against the Rangers. They lost the game. Georgiev apparently punched him. Now again, like just you have to think about it like this. The guy who got punched is no longer on the team. Yeah. That should speak volumes about what's going on here. And the Rangers said it had nothing to do with his tweets and his political views, which which I actually kind of believe because it took this long and it right. wasn't the parlor stuff saying like, I'm yeah. about parlor that did it. Like, come on, you idiots. But it was, it was him getting into an altercation with, with his goalie. There has been other stuff. Like there was this whole thing about apparently he did keep away of Keandre Miller's puck. Um, Wyshynski has said, apparently no, it's out being framed because the Rangers do that. But there was all this stuff about how the picture of – Let's make this very, very clear because the, the people on, on Twitter have been like, okay, he didn't have his puck, but then people and the Rangers didn't acknowledge it. And then people put the tweet, but they're not acknowledging the fact that there was no picture with Miller the night of the game with the puck celebrating like there was for Lafreniere. Mm. 
Apparently, the details. Apparently, some that had something to do with it not being a win. I don't know. I'm just telling you. This is what I heard. I'm not telling you. Yeah, how it that's. Is. I heard that too. That's as the famous of, as Doug McLean says, I'm telling you what I heard, not mm-hmm. what is true or whatever the quote is. I also heard the Chris Kreider part. That's not confirmed. Okay, right? all right, all right, all right, yeah. Yeah. Oh, we're gonna get there. We're okay. Gonna, we'll get. We'll talk about Chris Kreider <laughs> in a minute here. But it's just, and of course, Keandre Miller's agent has said that this is not the case the reason is not true but still if it was a game, if it even if it was a loss like you're going to show the picture eventually like it just mm-hmm. it, it is a red flag it is um and 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 so then there there of course and keandre miller remembered the that um the game before sort of that chat room he was in for the rangers during the q a before the start of the season and people just sort of hijacked and started using racial slurs on him. Keandre Miller, who was probably of his draft, I remember watching the first time I had ever seen Keandre Miller and the story with him and his mom. I thought, I love this guy and I hate that he's a Ranger because I wish he was a Canadian. Um, just seems like a really sweet guy that should not deserve such. Um, how do you say it? Um, I, I, you know, don't be a racist, simply put. Um, and then there is a report or rumors. I don't think there's been even a report. There has been rumors, nothing confirmed, that apparently Chris Kreider punched Tony D'Angelo. And people were saying after the game in the Zoom call, his fists were like his knuckles were red because don't forget, like he wore gloves all game. Um, but I saw people saying like everyone's a Chris Kreider fan now. Nothing is confirmed. And I don't really want to go into like, could you imagine? Because Question. that's like, listen, practice fights are one thing that happens, but locker room brawls, like that's something else. Like Subban got into a few fights on the ice, but I, in the circumstance around everything right now, saying that Chris Kreider punched a guy out is not something I want to touch. Question yeah. though. Question though. Yeah. If he did. Does that change his reputation a little bit? Okay, so first of all, you shouldn't, you shouldn't punch people, right? You shouldn't do that. I think he gets that's suspended. No, no, but no, no, but no, within the team, within the team. That's not what I, I – okay, no, so okay. was it – I still I, – I didn't really understand the Chris Kreider stuff because the, the whole Chris – the whole thing I understood about the Chris Kreider stuff is that he was the one who got involved in, because apparently – uh, D- Tony and Georgiev were getting into it, and then D'Angelo, um, Georgiev and D'Angelo were getting into it, and Kreider stepped in. That was the my understanding of the Kreider stuff. Mm-hmm. So is that what happened? Is that what no, uh, nothing whatever. has been confirmed about it? But then from what I saw it was not- people were saying that he that he may have intervened because again, like Chris Kreider is a leader in that room. He's been around for ages. Right. He's committed long term to the team last year. Ruined the trade deadline for all of us. Yeah. <laughs> but like a story for another day. Um, I'm not even going to bother asking you who's going to pick up Tony D'Angelo because whoever does should be ashamed of themselves. And, um, I can take a guess. The Coyotes. <laughs> He's going yeah. back. He's gonna steal my joke from last episode. Oh, sorry, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, I just thought I'm like they're always a team that talks about right hand shot, and you know, of course, something like this would happen. I don't know. It's just they're it's a like, team that wants to be a part of the process. Yeah, but they don't you remember that? Ones. They want to keep making. Don't you remember what us. they said last time? 
they said we want to be part of the solution yeah let's not even because that worked out well let's not even acknowledge that 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 prospect Uh, i just wanted to mention fellas as i get up because i wanted to keep an eye on the red wings game because i want to make a comparison with them and another team in a second um we're about 12 minutes into that game tampa are winning three nothing so detroit are on their way to losing their seventh straight game they will be two seven and two they have six points on the year. Their goal differential will be minus 15. If you think that's bad. Oh. Uh, Ottawa have lost nine games in a row. They are what? one, eight, and one, three points, and their goal differential is minus 24. Daniel, I want you to talk about this person that requested we talk about something about the Sens, who they are, and the stat that you want to enlighten us with. All right. So, um, Shout out to a friend of the show, uh, listens to the show. He is Josh Scott. He is also in the journalism program. He is a business and tech journalist for Beta Kit right now. And he had this tweet that he actually uh, messaged me before our recording. So thanks, Josh. Um, thanks, Josh. And this is Josh's tweet. Just did the math. If the Ottawa Senators maintain their current record over the course of 82 games, they'll have the lowest regular season points percentage in NHL history, according to the following list. And he talked about the 10 worst teams in NHL history on Bleacher Report. Um, so, yeah, that is kind of something that if you were to calculate it based on how this would go in an 82-game season, let alone this current season, then uh, they may beat, and I'm putting up the list right now, on the Bleacher Report, they are going to beat they beat the expansion caps right yes and the this is in the pittsburgh pirates in 1929-1930 so that's a bit of a stretch but the second worst team and you know it's pretty surprising because the picture of this is a hall of famer they are going to beat the 1989-1990 quebec nordiques who had a record of 12 61 and 7 that is 19.4 points percentage so just to to give you some context here the current leader in points percentage are are the panthers who played six games their their points percentage is is nine nine seventeen the Canes seven games eight fifty seven montreal's up there at at eight hundred points sorry point eight hundred points per game the sends are point one five oh okay First of all, thank you for that stat from your friend. Uh, no. Holy crap, the Sens are bad. They might not even win 10 games. And so <laughs> this is this is bad. This is bad. Because um, they got dummied by Edmonton, not only last night, but the game previous, where Dreisaitl had like six assists and is now on pace for like 100 points for yeah. a regular, like a shortened season. Same with McDavid. Pretty good. And so they're still not going to make the playoffs. So over the past few days, um, here's some funny. You know what, Alex? They may. It depends. It's really. It's gonna be a. a it's like a three-way race with, but everyone has a single leg between the Oilers, the Canucks, and the Flames right now. Really feels like that. Really, really feels like that. Um, apparently, uh, head coach DJ Smith is not a massive fan of Eric Brandstrom and just doesn't see it. And <laughs> oh, <laughs> come on, man. Which come way, on. That means they got rid of Mark Stone for nothing. Um, like, this can't get worse. 
Well, I can, Alex. <laughs> I don't know. Like, according to Nick Kiprios, they are shopping Derek Stefan, who they just gave up a second. What a joke. Why? I thought like he was supposed to be the leader in that. Oh room. man, they wanted him for years too. They have been looking for him and just. This boom. is so stupid. Yep. This is so stupid. I were, is, sorry. Go. One. Go ahead. No. Go ahead. Oh, what I kind of just thought is, as a rebuilding team, you're like you know the plan. You know, it's it's going according to plan, right? But at the same time, it's just this is the Ottawa Senators where you know this has been happening for quite some time. So just. When are you going to see some of those games where, you know, we mentioned early in the season, like, yeah, you know, that solid win against the Leafs. And then, you know, they, they battled here and there. And then suddenly it's just, no, this, like, this looks like a new expansion team without the expansion rules that we have now. Daniel, I don't know what plan you think people are talking about because, accord, this is a Sportsnet article. This is from Wayne Scanlan. This was two days ago. Fans losing patience with rebuild as senators exposed in the North division. I'll make it very simple. Even if they weren't in the North division, they'd be exposed. And if anything, they'd be exposed even more because they have to go to Tampa Bay. They have to go to Boston. They have to go to Washington. They have to go Philly. They would get murdered. What? Like, (laughs) Who in the like? Let's be honest. Right now, the North Division is the most fun division in hockey. A because That's Montreal true. are the only team that has some sort of defensive structure that isn't fantastic. But outside of that, there is just no defense in this division. No. Um, and I mean, like, if we look at the only the only three teams so far that we are like certain of, and even the Jets are only a point like ahead of the Oilers. You've got Montreal, you've got Toronto. Yeah. And the, like, you know what and those then, teams are. And then this really big gap. And then there's just like, man, what is going And then, and, and here, here's what's frustrating, Alex. It's like, all right, so, you know, at least in Toronto, I'm sorry, Montreal, Toronto, you know, good team. There we go. Like, yeah. you can see the Jets making it. I mean, yeah, uh, like the Flames, you know, Mark Strom, he's pretty good, you know, going on yeah. there. Patterson and Hughes could just have an absolute ripper, and then you know maybe the Canucks can sneak in fourth. And then Ottawa. Bernier hasn't won a game in 400 days, and the Detroit Red Wings are doing better than the Sens right now. I'll I'll tell you exactly what happened. Everyone in Ottawa and all these Toronto said, "Oh, Oh. sorry, sorry, (laughs) sorry." First you time had, in a you while. Edited, so I don't mind. Right. Yeah. I'm, the fir- they said, oh, you know, Toronto, the Ottawa's closer in the mirror than everyone expects. Okay, here you go. This is the Ottawa you expected. I I gave Matt Murray the benefit of the doubt. I retract that benefit of the doubt. I'm done. Like you could add Evgeny Dadanov, you can add Derek Stepan, you can add all these guys. Who are the, the guys performing for this team right now? The young guys. That's it. Barely. Like we'll have. Like listen. I don't know. I don't know why you had this. These expectations. How long have Ottawa been rebuilding for? Two, two years maybe. Three? Since uh, like three months into the 2017-18 season. 
Because remember, they, they lost in the final, sorry, the conference finals, and then they came back, got Duchesne when they were in Sweden to start the season, and then everything fell apart. Yeah. Right. So it's been three, How I don't know, three years? Four yeah. years? Around there, yeah. Do you know how long teams rebuilt, like how long it takes for a rebuild, especially considering the situation they were in? And they did a full melt that thing down rebuild. Buffalo is still trying. Edmonton is barely surviving. Like, I don't know why the expectation is they're going to make the playoffs this year. I don't know why anyone or they said, well, one might compete for a playoff spot. I'm sorry. Like, I don't know anyone who who actually thought they were they had a chance to make make the playoffs. Um, I think. Uh, oh, go on, Adam. No, no, no. Go, go ahead. I just I'm, I'm going to read you guys some stats in a second. Yeah, um, I agree with Alex that when you look at what that core is out outside of you know the Tim Stutzla or anything that I, I don't think that the enthusiasm should be there either. And I'll tell you why, like the whole thing with DJ Smith and Eric Branstrom, you know, that was your guy. That was supposed to be someone that you put with Thomas Shabbat and, you know, you're going to roll with them for the future. But I'd like to also examine the forwards as well outside of Stutzla or outside of Josh Norris, where mm-hmm. you'll have a Logan Brown who was supposed to be, you know, your guy for how long you, you have a Colin white that hasn't really done much. You have a bunch of these guys that you know you're putting out there that you know like when I, I see this team and you you have these guys that you know they they've been in they've been in Bimington for quite some time and you just mentioned before that you know they had the vets before that were kind of pushing these guys down and they had the chances now but when you still see a Connor Brown get those you know those prime positions those prime minutes then that's still really concerning that kind of just shows me that stop trying to force these things because they're not going to, it's not going to produce anything good. Like I I think, I think Ottawa as a team has a a future, a very good future. Mm -hmm. I I don't know if anyone's doubting that. I, I don't think that's what's in question. The question is why anybody told the fans and said, Oh, you know, the, the rebuilds Mm -hmm. rebuilds over when Todd McClellan, I can't say his last name. Todd McClellan said, oh, our rebuild's over. I criticized him for that. I would pick L.A. over Ottawa. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, by the way, for those of you who are not super familiar with you know, leveling goalie stats, um, if your state percentage is above 920, you're probably in the Vesna conversation. League average is around 910. Uh, 905 is like you could be better, but you can live with that. Around 900 below is God awful. Bobrovsky was in the eight nineties last year, and it's a complete disaster. Matt Murray's save percentage is eight four nine. Hulkberg is at an eight forty four. I feel bad for for Hulkberg. Yeah. And Matt Murray, by the way, is just starting a new contract. Oh my so god! This is where I ask the question: <laughs> Is Matt Murray? The new Cam Ward. We had this. You, you, you did. We, we slightly talked about this before, and my answer, I think, is is no, because even though Cam Ward won those cups, 
I think afterwards he did put up semi he did put up semi decent numbers. If you go look at his uh, uh, hockey DB page and you look at the numbers he put up, they weren't awful. They were some of them were actually quite good, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't know what's happened to Matt Murray. Like I I don't I can't give him the benefit of the doubt anymore. Some of the things the uh, the highlights I saw on TV this morning from the game last night, the positioning. I don't play goalie. Like I don't know, but I know what that what that happened there was not right. Mm-hmm. I, I believe that was Holberg last night. I I oh, I thought they switched because I remember they were specifically talking about Matt Murray. I remember Murray getting pulled in the first game for Holberg, but I think I know the goal you're talking about where it's like he's, angled, he's he's on like the ninety degree angle, but like half his shoulders over the post, and you're like, what? I don't know yeah. that much about goaltending, but um. <laughs> And then, Sir. and then there's one where like he's significant, like he's out of his crease. Mm-hmm. I, I don't remember. It might have been a breakaway, but I've never seen a goalie on a breakaway that like since like the 1950s or the 80s, maybe 50s, mm-hmm. a little bit of exaggeration where he would they're that much out of their crease. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, um, I just, two things I'd like to add. Yeah. Um, when sorry, sorry, just and when you're done, Daniel, Alex, if you want to add any, anything more on the sentence, let's, let's go after just because we have been yeah. doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead, Dan. I'll be quick here. Um, I just want to get my two cents because I am a Cam Ward fan. So I'd like to <laughs> say that are. of course you Cam are. Ward <laughs> after they won the cup, and this was before the whole you know change up of analytics of you know of the Brett Pesci and Jacob Slavins of the world, right? This team got dismantled outside of Eric Stahl and Cam Ward, and he still managed to put up sub great numbers. Matt Murray, I still like the guy, but you know, you you were given a team in front of you. You won those two cups, and then afterwards, you still had a lot of quality around you. It's not like you just went to Ottawa and then you put up these numbers. These were already coming up. I don't think we could compare the two. I mean, okay, well, hold on. And you know, I'm probably, I've not been a Matt Murray fan for a while now. Um, this has come from a Mark really? Andre Fleury fan. Yeah. No, I've but, been pretty, uh, I've been pretty good with this. To be fair, he, he did have Jack Johnson. He did have Jack Johnson in front of him. I mean, that's. that's for, one, for one year, like Eric Stahl, who did he have? Uh, he had Aaron Ward in front of him. Uh, Ron Hainsey. But that's a good, what are you talking about? Hainsey's bad. What do you? Dude, I know, but I mean, like, you don't have stellar. a Chris Letang or uh, you didn't have yeah, a Trevor Daly in his prime in front of you. No respect to Ron Hainsey. That's a thousand or games right there. You didn't have analytics darling no, Brian talk. Dumoulin in front of you. Hey, let's, right, let's, not, let's not trash yeah. Ron Hainsey here, okay? Yeah, no, I, like, it's, even, it's Morgan Riley's second best defensive right. partner. Let's <laughs> calm down, guys. Not even for the least, me. I mean, Ron Hainsey's been like a solid top four defenseman for like ever. Yeah, I know, I know but I'm, I'm saying like the way you had a Pittsburgh team set up. And I'm not saying how they are this year, but I'm just saying the years he had him for the cup runs and then, you know, the, the year or two after. Those, those are still contending teams. If you look at that Carolina team after 2006, you know, it's not really pretty. Alex, go ahead. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't necessarily think you can blame all of it on Cam Ward. Like, but I guess to go back to Ottawa, it's an absolute travesty that Eric Brandstrom is not playing in this lineup. Like it, I think it's almost a fireable offense. There's no reason that like who's playing on the third pairing. I let me let's 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 just find out because it's, like it's no one that it's like 
Eric Brandstrom mm-hmm. should be on the. Yo, uh, it's, it's awful. Bad. It's bad. You're they're telling Toronto that that you know oh we forgot about defense this and that. Go take a look at yourself. Like yeah. really, like so it's Shabbat Zaitsev. God, I feel so bad for Thomas Shabbat, Mike Riley, and Artem Zub. Who actually Artem <laughs> Zub. Artem yeah, Zub. He, he's been playing a lot of like key minutes. For he's, them. He he has two points in two games, so probably their second best defenseman. Braden Coburn, who they just put on waivers, and Eric Goodbranson. Are you is this DJ Smith suggesting to me that because he wants to play on his offside, he can't get in over Eric Goodbranson? He can't get in over Braden Coburn or Mike Riley. Sorry, like that's that's ridiculous. That's all I have to say. One last thing I actually have. I just remembered it. Yeah. Leafs legend Tim Gleason was a longtime Carolina defenseman <laughs> in front of Carolina. Oh, in front of I Cam remember Ward. Tim Gleason. Yes. Okay. Um, Thanks for the reminder. I linked it in the doc, gents. Can you just get up Pierre LeBrun's hypothetical Olympic roster yep. for Team Canada? Because it's that time of year. It, it's up. Everyone's projecting their Olympic rosters. We should do that again. That was fun when we did it. No, we just. Let's do it closer to the Olympics. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I have like, I don't know why. These are like the most fun for me. I have like eight drafts of these. Oh my God. Now, obviously, we won't go through everything because, you know, go read the article, people. Um, though, I, 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 there was one name that really stood out to me. No, that's not. No, no, no. Two. There were two names that really stood out to me. On defense, Drew Dowdy. Because dude, Dowdy just never stops crying about the Olympics. So, so to see that Pierre had him there, I found interesting. And on forward, Bo Horvat, who I don't, I can't remember if I gave him enough credit. I don't even think I named him on my team, and I think it's a bit of a crime because I think like that guy sometimes gets lost on how good he is in Vancouver. And with Pedersen not playing very well, um, Bo Horvat, Bo Horvat has been there. Also having a bit of a problem that no one is even thinking about Shea Weber, by the way, having a real problem with that. But um, you guys' thoughts on this little projection, Pierre's the best. And, you know, he, he, he named a few interesting defensemen as well. Yeah. Daniel, if you want to go first. Uh, yeah, sure. Thanks. Um, I'll go on forwards first. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I'm going to have to also kind of go with you with Bo Horvat, but I'm also going to think about Matthew Barzell, not because he's, a bad player he's elite but it's just you know it's that whole too much of a good thing kind of situation there where he doesn't really play something that you'll you'll get from like a Ryan O'Reilly or a Bo Horvat and when again pinpointing Bo Horvat um where's Sean Couturier good point yeah he won the Selkie He's a guy that has played wing before in every level he's been at, meaning he could adapt. It's not like you're just putting on a pure center somewhere. Um, I would really only make that change on forward. Oh, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay. Yes. So I'm, I'm going to ask you something here. Katuri or Shifley? Oh, I don't know. Let's put Sean Katuri. See, you didn't. It wasn't right away, and I think with this kind of roster, you have to be a hundred percent. Braden Point or Sean Couturier? Braden Point. Okay, you're not going to say anything about McDavid, McKinnon, Crosby. Otherwise, no. I'll just leave the call right now. Yeah. 
<laughs> like I'm not I, I like Mark Stone more than I like Couturier, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I'd rather have Mitch Marner on my on the team than Couturier because knowing that I I like the center core is going to be so full already and Stone has his game obviously it's play it's easy to play on the wing, but Stone's already used to it. And the reason I, I make him like a Barzell over Couturier is, is I don't think there's another play on this team that is experienced enough buying into a defensive system that Matt Barzell, you know, you know the talent is there. And mm-hmm. what's important to have a good sort of Canadian roster, and it's not as simple as just 12 best forwards, six best D, two best goalies. It, it's that everyone has to buy into a different role. For and sure. like Sam Bennett needs to learn to do. And I think, I think Barzell <laughs> would be a real good strength in that position. Are you saying Sam Bennett should be on this team? No, I'm just kidding. Um, I think Brendan Gallagher should get a fair route. <laughs> that was that was something I heard too. Um, I think like before I get to the defenseman for me, or sorry, probably Alex should go after this. I'm taking too much of the time, but I think a big thing, and I I've realized this too, going through a lot of lists I've done, has been 2010 has really been a template for me. Um, I think that that's arguably the most balanced team I've ever seen, mm-hmm. and. When I think about those two-way guys, those defensive system guys, I, I think about that. You just you, you have that shutdown line, that key shutdown line. That I'm not saying any of these guys are like a Brendan Morrow making the team, but I think that you'll still have that that like two-way approach that you know you had with Taves um, playing in that bottom six before he moved up. You had you know, a Ryan Getzlaff, a Corey Perry in their prime playing those type of like situations that I think that, you know, a Couturier, um, uh, a Bergeron probably if he doesn't play in the top six or um, like a Mark Stone and you, you try to make a line out of that. Mm-hmm. Alex. Oh, you, uh, am I doing just the forwards? Sure. Or, okay. Uh, I, to be honest, I didn't have – many issues uh with the forwards obviously like now that you bring it up i just thought about sean couture but i i don't know where i or who i would necessarily take out like i guess the one guy and i'm not list before i get absolutely dunked on i'm not saying he's going to not be the same i'm just asking the question we might have to revisit Patrice Bergeron in a year. In a year. Remember, we are talking a full calendar year. Okay? And he's not any younger. And if the Bruins make the playoffs, this is, it's not going to be an easy, easy thing for him. Let's just revisit that in a year. If not, we'll keep Patrice Bergeron in and we will not have any issues. All right. Um, then you want to keep going on the D before we throw it back to Dan? Yeah. So, actually, the D is where I had the... Um, the most changes, which was just two. Um, I'd say Weber deserves to be in the lineup. I'd unfortunately take Aaron Ekblad out, even though I think he deserves to be in the lineup. Um, and the second guy I think deserves to be in, in it, and he continues to make strides, is Colton Pareko. Like, yeah. since Barube took over, I think we've really, like, we've all, he's always taken steps, but since Barube took over, it seems like these last few years, he's really taken big steps. And if I'm being a hundred percent honest, I would be okay with taking Drew Doughty out of the lineup to put in Colton Pareko. Honestly, like for the D you can just go, like, I don't even care about lefties, righties. I know hockey Canada does, but if you just want to do like Petrangelo, Dougie and Shea, 
then like does does it matter who's on the left? Like does it matter if Kale McCarr has to play in his off thing? Daniel, your thoughts on the your thoughts on the D. Um, yeah, I kind of agree with that. Um, and I'm going to reference Mike Babcock here because this is a big change he did in the World Cup of Hockey that it it did show that, you know, you don't always have to have that left-right balance. And I've mentioned this pairing before, and it was Alex Petrangelo going onto the left side to play with Brent Burns during that tournament. So I don't, I don't really think that you, you have to go that route again. But the big changes I'm going to have is, I agree, like, Shea Weber's on this team. Um, Aaron Ekblad, I think that he's probably going to have a bounce back season. He might prove me wrong next season as well, you know, and come out as he was supposed to be as like a first overall pick. But I don't think that he's going to have too much of that time yet. Um, I'm still kind of iffy with Josh Morrissey. I think that he is an excellent player, but I think he's, he's a bit overvalued here and it's, I'm not saying he's a damn Hamhuse, but I think that he's overvalued here because of the lack of lefties on Canada. Mm-hmm. So I'd, I'd go back and reconsider him. Um, I was going to say, yeah, Colton Perenko too. Um, Drew Doughty. I have faith in him that he can bounce back. The Kings kind of still look a bit wonky, but Doughty's been, he's been pretty good, but I, I don't know. It's just, He's a guy that you, you think about when it comes to the Olympics that he's always considered a lock and it's 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 weird. It's like he's turning thirty two, but it's, it we talked we talk about him sometimes like he's like thirty seven or like thirty six that like you know he's lost a step. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna be really quick with goalie, so I'll just add them in now. Price Hart, great. Bimington, I take out, and I think Mackenzie Blackwood's gonna play his way. There we team. go. There we go. <laughs> I said the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I was I was the same. I just saw price. I'm like, all right, I don't care about the rest of them. The thing the thing I disagreed with though is the coat the he had the coaches. Um, I don't remember what, exactly what he called it. The coaches take or whatever. I disagree. I think if you do go price Hart Bennington, price number one, obviously no question about it. I would pick Carter Hart as your backup and then Jordan Bennington because neither, first off, if the whole thing is about experience. Neither of them have Olympic experience. Um, but I would take, I think Carter Hart's a better goalie than Jordan Bennington. Yeah. Also, won a gold at the World Juniors. Jordan Bennington didn't. Right. Exactly. 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 Yes. Um, also, if you guys could then get up the Haley Salvian for the uh, women's the Olympic up. team. I look at this team and I think maybe it's just because I've become more familiar with women's hockey, not a ton, but I look at them and I'm like, right. Okay. I actually know what some of this team is about. And I don't even want to mention Marie Philippola because I feel like if, like, if you don't, if you're not familiar with women's hockey, you still know who she is mm-hmm. and you still know she's a damn superstar. It's just, it, it, it is kind of weird that you start seeing these rosters again. And you're like, damn, I, it sucks a lot of them aren't playing right now because of the sort of divide in women's hockey right now. But I mean, like, just knowing now what players like um, Natalie Spooner and the likes of, is it Sarah Nurse, right? Sarah yes. Nurse. Yeah. Is, it just sort of now speaks to, it sounds kind of crazy to say because it's Canada and you expect it, but again, sort of the, the depth that is on the Canadian team. Yeah. 
for sure. Just something to branch off. So I'm so sorry. I just had this thought. You think when they pick this team, there's going to be some consideration of PW, PWHPA versus NWHL? I would hope not. Yeah. Not that they're picking sides, but I think yeah. there's not, not necessarily that they're picking sides, that they know there's a lot of contention between the two sides. Well, in terms of the locker room, not necessarily, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You think of it like this, is at the end of the day, I hope that you can, because definitely the, the PH versus the NWHL, even going back to the old women's league, the divide has always been there, you're right. And it has gotten very ugly. And it, it, it was never an easy subject to talk about for people because of just how sort of almost going straight for the jugular other sides were. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, it's the damn Olympics. And I don't think that there has actually been a more exciting international team than the women's for the mm-hmm. past couple of years. I'm not, I'm not just sort of talking out my side to pump up the women's game here. <laughs> I mean, their game against the Americans that went to the, um, to went to that, that went to OT if, you yeah. um, know, when I was in high school, what? 2014 or 2018. It would have been 2018. It would have been 2018. Uh, that was the comeback win, right? And then power play on the Americans. Sorry, power play for the Canadians in, in the OT. Because, you know, oh, God, I hate the Americans. I'm just, I'm thinking back to, oh, God. I'm thinking back to that game now. Yeah, and, and then, you know, Poulin scores. Yeah, it was just, they just put on such a great show of hockey that I would hope that you can put that aside for the fact of, God, it's just, can we please just play the game here? Was it a gold medal to the face? Knock, knock. Who's there? Gold medal uh, to the face. I have one hot take for this roster. Okay. Genevieve Lacasse will be the number one goalie. Why do you say that? I think that she's had the experience. What she's been able to do for Boston um, has been great. Um, cool Instagram, by the way, if you uh, follow her. She's, 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 she's amazing. Um, I don't. I just remember her playing at the last Olympics and just kind of. I don't. It reminded me of Patrick Waugh in a way, that you know someone crashes into her net, her mask is off, and she just she she doesn't wait on a defenseman to, you know to come and grab that forward. She like does it herself. Mm-hmm. There are big shoes to spill and big shoes to fill in Canada too, um, because of like the whole the mm-hmm. and just how good she was. Um, a player who I'm really, really excited to kind of see in like seeing projections of how deep in the lineup she could be, Blair Turnbull, player I'm really, really excited to see. Um, Alex, your take. Sorry, my computer cut out for a second. What did you say? I bought. I. Um, it, no, yeah, no, no. You were for those of you who couldn't see. Yeah, I think you were trying to get the six zero gold medal. I was. I was trying to get it to share. I was just trying to get the audio. <laughs> Just word on a certain player here or just sort of facet of this team that you're like, yeah, that's cool. You know, always the name that comes up, and I don't know if because they're they're in every single sport that I watch, but Sarah Nurse, like obviously there's there's Sarah Nurse and yeah, then there's Darnell Nurse and then there's Kia Nurse. And, and I always, every time I see them on TV, I always think it's incredible that like let alone one person in the family, three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Plus, like, Spooner and Nurse, if you talk, like, women's hockey, they're always the first few that you think of. They've really been become the face of women's hockey. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, any other closing notes on this, fellas? Um, I'm excited. I think it's going to be great. The games are always amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, if it goes down to it, shootouts are going to kill me. Like the whole. We don't thing. think that way. Don't even put the thought into the air. Hey. I know it's just it's always something to consider, man. Like I remember that gif, like when Shadow Shabados like bit on the deke. I kept seeing that like almost every day for like a mm-hmm. year. Hey, Listen, you guys want to hear a joke? Oh, do. sorry. Sure. Joke. Yeah, you sure. Will. That's it. That's all. I'm going to miss him when he goes to BT. Uh, all right, then. Um, oh, God, we have so much to talk about. Um, Sounds like you don't okay. want to talk about it. What? <laughs> this has been a fun episode. It has. Yeah. It's just getting long. Um, all right. Daniel. What's up? You're a World Juniors guy. Yeah. Um, we talked earlier about sort of hockey doing the right thing, and sometimes they don't always do that. Uh, the IIHF World Championships is to be hosted in Latvia, amid turmoil in Belarus um, for some some political reasons. Um, why? I think it's a big tournament. You know, um, it's funny. Um, I've talked about this with a few people in our program where. Uh, I can't remember who asked me, but someone asked me, like, why are you hyped about the World Championships? Like, these are the players that don't make the playoffs. Like, why are you, like, mm-hmm. obsessed with, like, the roster compilations? Or when, you know, when, like, there's a player who's added to the tournament that it, it's kind of like, you know, when, like, a fighting game, it's like a new fighter has entered the arena? Like, I love that stuff. Um, And I'll see it this way, because it's all about growing the game again, where this is an important tournament, not just for Canada, but and this is the, from the experience I've had. Um, I remember my sister, she traveled all around like Sweden, Finland, like Denmark during the tournament two years ago. And it's huge there. I remember when Finland won and there were like, it's it was like parades and there were like crowds everywhere. Like this is what the importance it is of the, of the tournament is. Because I think that sometimes, and Bob McKenzie said this before, like we're spoiled sometimes. For Canada, like, yeah, we're not going to medal, but, you know, we're never going to get relegated. But you'll see the fans in, like, Latvia, which I think was an excellent choice if it was not going to be in Belarus, where there there is a growing hockey market there. There are a lot of players that are going through the system, that there's been players here and there that have have come up, that this this is an example of why you have the tournament, why you continue to have it. And I know that it's going to be how it is with any tournament that you're going to have to think about a bubble. You're going to think about vaccines. You're going to think about how to keep everything, you know, safe in these circumstances. But I'm excited that they're still going to try to find a way for this because it's not just about the Olympic um, positions, but it's also just the growth of the game. I seriously question who's going to go like what NHL is going to be like, you know what? COVID's still probably a thing right now. Mm-hmm. Are they are they supposed to be happening at the same time they regularly do? I think yeah, they're trying to they're trying to aim for like a summer thing for that. So we might see a 2018 Canada team like we did at the Olympics, but you know, I still watch those games. Hey, then to answer Adam's question, probably not many. 
I yeah. don't know the last time I watched a just, world championship game. I'm not going to yeah. just be just because like the seat, they're going to be ending mm-hmm. the season. Like what they're going to play in June or July. And then it, even the guys who aren't in the playoffs, they're going to want to be ready. Like it's different circumstances. Like it's, yeah. it's a very odd year for them to go considering they had to play 56 games in 116 days and for some guys even less because mm-hmm. of the of um covid protocol and then they're going to play a full 82 game season next year mm-hmm. i don't know if going to the world juniors is necessarily in their best best interest i think i, I think yeah from the canada perspective it's it's going to be uh i think this is going to be an interesting story to that we keep following because this is just one example I kind of had and it was during like the last Olympics where I'm using as another model is there's always the NCAA as well that there's these players that could go because I remember Kale McCarr and Dante Fabro were both invited for the Olympic team and they, they both did decline but there is still that that section that you could could still get you know a competent team on the ice for sure yeah Mark II of Miracle, except World Juniors. Um, you know, I thought about Miracle when um, we talked about uh, the women's leagues and like how there was a the bit of contestation there. The miracle rink. Yeah. 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 Um, right. Okay. Uh, here we are, lads. End of the episode. Two things to talk about the Leafs and the Habs. We'll start with the Leafs. Looking forward to facing the Canucks in a series here. The Canucks coming off of two rough games versus the Montreal Canadiens. What are the actions? You sound excited. excited. (laughs) Very excited. Listen, if I've learned anything about the about the Canucks, you should be very excited. They can't re-sign their best players. Oh, let's not let's not get into that today, please. (laughs) I got lots to say about that. They cannot defend the rush. Perfect. To save their lives. Tyler, the rush to Foley. <laughs> there's a rush, and then there's five breakaways in the game. Yeah. And I... There's a rush, and then we'll get to that later yeah. for Montreal. Uh, but I mean, the Leafs have had, they've lost one game, haven't they? Uh, They've lost one game in regulation, one game in overtime. Okay. Mm-hmm. If Montreal Wait. can do it to the Canucks, Actually. I would expect that it's – I don't think it's going to be as sloppy as the 7-2, 7-3 games against the Canadians because, I mean, how how long can the Canucks really fall apart like that? And I'm telling you right now, Pedersen is starting. He had a, a shot, right, last night? Yeah. Right over Allen shoulder. I mean, it is. I I saw that. That was nice. But it's still like, I don't know what the Canucks are gonna do. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I yeah, that's it's gonna be tough. But mm-hmm. uh, the the Leafs have two regulation losses, not one. Okay. Um, but yeah, like I I mean, I guess I do have high expectations for the Leafs going into this game, just because. Hey, like, I guess. The Canucks, in theory, should eventually bounce back. But I don't necessarily think the Leafs are the easiest team to do that against, especially if you have the Freddie that's been playing for the last few games. Um, The way the defense has looked, 
the last few games. Like I think they're running quite well, like the Leafs, um, considering all the questions we had walking walking into the season. Am I a little worried about the lack of scoring a little bit? But the last few games, at least. But I think that's something that will bounce back. And I think with bringing back those players who you lost and obviously Thornton and Robertson, that will change, change things up. And I, and I think Austin Matthews unleash, if there's a time for Austin Matthews to actually unleash, it would be these two games, you know, or three games. You have a Canucks team that I don't know when exactly they traveled, but you would hope that they were at least in Toronto today coming from Montreal, which is, if you're going fast enough, it's a four and a half hour drive going from east to west, west to east anyway. So they probably took but, a plane. Know, they've they've just yeah, that's very true. That's and that's that's half an hour. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they they but still, you know what, they've they've come over because don't forget they they've been at least against Montreal, they were before like this week, obviously home. They've come over, there's travel, they just cut they've just come off a of back to back versus a Leafs team. If there's one thing you do expect for the Canucks is they tried to have, and they did respectfully in last night's game, came out very strong against the Canadians. And this has been the Leafs' longest break of the season so far. So if you're looking for anything to start the game, it will be the early push from the Canucks. And I expect, and my expectations would be the Leafs push back. Like you had five days of rest, right? No excuses. See, I don't know about that because the the Canadians had that. They had that weird sort of wrestling for their home opener. Yeah. And then they came out and I think they, they still won the game against the Flames, but it was there was there was that sort of go, 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 go at the beginning of the season. And then there was that sort of lull. Yeah. So I, I don't have any questions about the full 60 minutes or the back 40, but I do wonder if if anything the f- first. So no, no, as in like I don't question how the Leafs will play in in the last forty minutes. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, yeah. I, I do kind of quote like that is the one thing I can kind of see maybe Vancouver having a strength. I'm I'm trying for I'm trying the, the first for that because I, I, I don't think there's a lot of yeah. faith in Canucks land right now. There isn't. There I have isn't. this one perspective, and I think it's gonna sound horrible, but it's actually a positive thing. Um, I love it. about the Canucks. Bottom. Yes, they have hit rock bottom. So have I they? really feel that Ooh. I think in a sense that Tyler Toffoli has scored like nine goals in ten in like what what they kind of expected think, from last year's momentum. I think that if we have that perspective or that expectation, I think they've hit rock bottom. Not not like Ottawa Senators rock bottom, but I'm just saying no. from their own ex from their own, you know, expectations. I think that they're at a point now where there's enough games in. There's enough Tyler Toffoli goals that have happened that, you know, let's reassess these things. So I, I kind of agree that the Leafs are going to come in a lot more with an understanding of, like, how are they going to be stable in their lineup? What pieces that have had to come up will, will you know, be permanent fixtures there. And I think, like, what Adam said, like, there's going to be that jump in the game. But I think that the Leafs' depth and, to be honest, like, the chemistry I'm kind of seeing with them is going to catch up to the Canucks. Like I'll say 12 minutes into the second. That's very specific, but just 
like i i mean listen things could get worse like let's revisit this conversation at the end of the season and let's see how contract negotiations are going with elias Pettersson and quinn hughes that's rock bottom that's mm-hmm. for that team and, and I'm, I'm just, you're right bottom, i guess yeah. you're right i guess at this moment for the regular season this is absolute rock bottom but for the franchise, let, let we'll re, we should revisit this in the summer to see how those go. Because if yeah, those get lot- difficult, considering their cap situation, it's going to be ugly. If Elias Patterson or Quinn Hughes demands a trade, that's not rock bottom. That's like the center of the earth at that point. Is it the... So what was the moment that exactly the Canucks jumped the shark? Was that the Toffoli go around Jamie Ben? Jordy Ben, sorry. Ben, yeah, I think so. Um, Disgusting. I don't know. Like, we we've had excuses before. I'm not saying he's like a bad goalie. It's just with Braden Holpe, it's just that like, where is that? That, like, where's that? Like, or even like that trick was like two things. Where I was about that- to say. For, first off, Demko was a net for that goal. I know you you might be sipping. Yeah, yeah. Just so like people listening, you're clear. The Toffoli one we were just talking about. Demko yeah. was yeah. net, but seeing Holpe as a whole. As a whole, hasn't been there. And then Demko last night and the last few games too, like he hasn't shown to be that top prospect we all thought he was going to be. Or he is a top prospect, but he he didn't become like a consistent starter when he finally got the minutes. Mm. Um, I wanted to ask you, you fellas, this. Alex, 31 Thoughts has confirmed to us that, in fact, uh, the Penguins were actually talking to Montreal about Mete and Dermot about the Leafs. you have a thought on that? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not really su- surprised about that necessarily. The more and since last episode, like, I think last episode, I said I doubt that they trade Dermot. Um, and now I feel even more confident saying I fi- I'd find it hard to believe that they're gonna trade, that they think about trading Dermot unless there is some something I guess of significance coming back. Damn. Yeah. Um... I don't know. I think I have a soft spot for uh, both of them, both little junior boys. Um, they're two guys that I've followed closely throughout their careers in the NHL of being these guys who I thought were going to be fixtures on their team. But then again, you know, taxi squad, short in the season, like structure on how everything's going. If they're going to be pushed out, I just I just hope they go to somewhere where they can actually get minutes because like I don't know how the Dermot thing is going to pan out. Still has a lot of they're both gonna still have a lot of team control on them. Um but you know if it's a decent return then 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 I think it'd be good. It's just Yeah. Like if I think about Pittsburgh, like these guys are not gonna solve your problems. I think if you're moving him is because again, like there were reports Freeman saw on the headlines a few weeks weekends ago that they were looking for forwards. And if there's the first guy that like if there's a DLB manager and I would say it's Dermot, because like Forget about Dermot actually for a second. He might be a little frustrated. What about Rasmus Sandin? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, people yeah. are starting to talk about that. He hasn't even sniffed sniffed uh, the lineup. That's that's gotta be. It's definitely gonna be frustrating. Like uh, I would be very surprised, unless there's injuries, and obviously there will. There's always gonna be injuries. I don't even like. What are the chances he plays this season? Like I think there's. There's people ahead, like ahead of him. Yeah, you have to find he, the room though. Yeah, you, ha- you can't leave him out that long. I mean, 
if the AHL is a possibility, I'd play him in the AHL mm-hmm. because I, I don't like you add Brody, Bogosian, and Letton in. And we knew this was going to be the case. We knew going when they when they made all these signings, we knew that Rasmus Sandin like was going to have to prove himself. Listen, Justin Hall has proved himself. Travis Dermott, he hasn't been like he he's been scratched some games, but after he was scratched, I think he's looked good too. So I guess Rasmus Sandin hasn't necessarily did he impress enough in training camp, but these guys did. I get the point. I get the point that you're making, but at the same time, when you're a competitive team, when you're a competitive team, you're going to give the spot to the guy. You're not just going to give the spot to the young guy necessarily. Mm -hmm. You're going to give the spot to the guy who, who's the best, who's proved himself through whatever the case may be training camp, whatever the scenario is. Mm Mm-hmm. What's really rough there is normally you would say, well, you got to give the guy a chance. When again, cap situation plus certain season, as you're saying, you, you just can't afford to do that. Um, you can't. Um, and we'll you know, talk about Mete as well. He's kind of actually gotten fortunate on the side of it that he's played the last two games, kicked Kulak out the first one, and Romanov takes the spot instead for the, for the next one. And um, I'm not going to give Mete grief for his first game because it was his his first time since the bubble he got to play. Yeah. Um, and people were giving him crap, but then Dale, I mean, Brandon Pross for once actually had made a bit of sense on Twitter. It doesn't normally do it and kind of defended him. Um, but I don't like him working the second power play. And I really don't like it. And I don't like seeing Kulak get pushed out. I don't like, I don't like seeing Romanov get pushed out either. I am. Um, I don't like it. We talked about it. Um, Tyler Toffoli is a bad, bad man. <laughs> he is a yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Just uh, that goal. Um, toe drag through his legs. Wicked backhand. They're going far side. I can't stop watching that. By the I, way, that gif like oh, that is so good. Oh, oh. And it was uh, around Jordy Ben who walked away from Montreal. Like was off for the tease. Like now nah, I'm leaving. Let's go to Vancouver. Retribution right there. Hmm? Retribution. Leading the league in goals, Tyler Toffoli, man. He is. That's um, true. He's I'm back so... to like prime LA days. Remember when like he was on that second line with Tanner Pearson and Jeff Carter? Like, I I I already knew that he was that player. And then you know when the Kings were bad, he didn't really have the same production. And then you know a rejuvenate, reju- rejuvenated. That's probably my word there. That. Mm-hmm. Rejuvenated Tyler Toffoli goes to Vancouver, gets his chance, and I think he's really run with it. I agree. I mean, man, look at what he does scoring when the Canucks are on the ice. Of only he was wearing the jersey. Yeah, and I'm so biased to that signing too. Yeah, good. (laughs) Apparently, his like his opening day fee. So like to sign him day one of free agency was five point five million dollars. If they had given him that, I would have been like, all right, let's go. But 4.2? Oh, 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 oh. Bargain. Oh, 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 oh. welcome. Bargain. Welcome, Tyler. We love you so much. Um, and then, yeah, of course, there. Um, back-to-back, four points for the Canadians. Um, the shorthanded goals just keep coming, by the way. You'll have to see. 
love to see it. Um, though, before we go, two little bits of information I really want to touch on here. Um, first of all, Corey Perry with a... My boy. Fantastic way to give uh, Jeff Petrie. I think it was his second goal of the first game. Great move, Corey Perry, for his 800th point Montreal Canadiens legend. And <laughs> I don't know how you take him out the lineup because he has played so well. You don't. I, I mean... <laughs> I'll keep tuning in if you don't. <laughs> it's honestly how... Like, if you're Yola Armia, you're going, no. No. Like, yeah. What do you do? Take out Paul Byron. I don't know about that. There's that- <laughs> just I- too many options on this team. I think you make a good point because I think this is something that multiple teams are going to have to deal with, right? Because I think what happened was they, a lot of teams signed more forwards than they really needed to because of the taxi squad, knowing injuries and stuff like that. What are you going to do when Armia comes back? What are you going to do with Corey Perry? I mean, the thing with Corey Perry is I guess because he's up there in age, you can do the whole uh, resting him here or there. I, I don't know what um, Claude Julian's going to do. It's going to be a tough decision for sure. Mm. Uh, that, and I think it's worth mentioning. I'm, I couldn't call myself a true fan. And I see, I would really, really like to give this a little bit of time here. Um, and you know, guys, I hate going long in the episode, but Shea Weber had a thousand games played last night. Uh, you remember he was supposed to actually play a thousandth game against the Predators last season, but COVID ah, screwed everything up and it would have been such poetry. Um, but um, for his the video package they sort of did for him, they got a bunch of Predators. They got David Poyle. They got Roman Yossi. They got Pekka Rene, who the two of them, Weber and Rene actually had um, like a charity thing when he was there in Nashville. Um, you know what? Mark Bergevin's legacy will be the Shea Weber trade. And you know what? In the lead up to it, I kind of, you knew that there was going to be something special because of just how high of a regard, not only the team, but management seemed to have in him. Apparently the team got him like a, a secret gift that everyone's trying to find out about. Um, tomorrow's game, I think he's getting his silver stick and, um, and all that. But I mean, hearing all the great things about Weber and just sort of like how he treats the young guys He's one of those sort of lead, like leadership guys that like he tries to get everyone involved, like team dinners and that. And you know what? I'm just, I'm just very thankful to have Shea Weber on this hockey team because I've just become such a big fan of him. And you know what? The um, the Canadians got like these custom bottles of some sort of drink, probably beer or something, um, because obviously Molson owns the team. And they got congratulations, Capitan, you know, Mil, uh, Miljo, a thousand games on and uh, gave it to the locker room last night. So um, I just wanted to get each of you this, just give us, you know, a thought about what you think about when you hear Shea Weber, Daniel. Honestly, he is probably like up there as one of my favorite players um, to watch. Like, I guess when I say in the prime of me being a hockey fan, because I got to see him play in the real juniors. That's when I first got to know about him. Um, and then I got to see him develop. I remember when the Nashville defense was like him and Ryan Suter on that top pairing. And I thought, you know, I don't like Nashville, but I loved that 
I, I love that pairing. Like these these two guys who are like the prototypical guys that are in a way the best of both worlds. Like I think Shea Weber represents that in a way that he plays that old time hockey. He's rugged. He's aggressive. He can defend himself, his teammates when he needs to. But he's adjusted to the modern ways of the game that mm-hmm. he is arguably like our generation's Chris Pronger just without the penalty, the penalties. And I guess like the questionable plays, I think Shea Weber, he exemplified what it meant to be a captain. He showed that both in Nashville, both in Montreal. Um, he's a consistent guy that I I would always think about him in terms of the Olympic teams, in terms of what he kind of brings to it. And I know he's on Montreal, and I just kind of hope before it's all said and done, he gets a chance at the Cup, that he gets a chance of adding that to it because I really feel like he's one of those people that really deserves it. Like, it's I, – I wasn't born – to see Ray Bork play, but if it played out like that, then like I, I think that'd be amazing. Mm-hmm. Alex, yeah, I, I just, <laughs> I can't imagine them not giving, <laughs> imagine them giving them beer and it not being Molson. <laughs> Sorry, that's what was going through my head. Um, but with Shea Weber, I think when he came to Montreal, obviously his time in Nashville, I think. I don't know a single person who didn't love him and they were this close to the cup, right? His last year there, it would have been 2016. Mm-hmm. Right. And they were this close, this no, close no, 2015, to the cup. Because Subban was already on the finals. No, no, it was 16 because it was Subban's first year. Then his, his last year in Nashville was uh 15, 16. That was the okay. year that. Oh yeah. I'm, yes. I, my mistake. Wait. So wait, was Subban, was Weber, in Nashville when they made the finals versus Pittsburgh? No, no. but he oh, was okay. on the team well. that should have beaten Chicago, but he, I, I think it, that was the year he, he hurt his knee. Okay, well, and either they, way. They weren't going to win without him. Either way, I think the thing with Nashville was they were always one step away from the cup. And we always had them at the beginning of the season. Everyone had them as favorites. And like he was like he obviously he wasn't he wasn't the only guy on that team. I think Nashville's thing is defense, but he was their defenseman, right? Mm-hmm. Up until he was traded, he was their guy. Like even even when you have Roman Yossi beside you, and he wasn't the Roman Yossi he is now, but he it was still Shea Weber. When you thought of Nashville's defense, you thought of Shea Weber. And I think when they traded him for PK Subban, I think oh my thing when that happened, I felt like a lot of people in Montreal didn't necessarily take well to that because they like PK Subban mm-hmm. and it took a few years. And I don't necessarily think his injuries and his not the best play when he first got to Montreal helped with that. But I think at the point right now, and even like the last few years where he's been, if it feels like he's back to prime Shea Weber has completely changed a lot of people's minds in on Shea Weber in Montreal and outside of it. Uh, I'll forever be angry that he doesn't have a Norris trophy because I, I, I can't stand it. You know, I, I always like to say PK Subban never wins the Norris without Andre Markov. Um, Roman Yossi doesn't win a Norris without having those years with Shea Weber. I don't think um, there's something about it. I think it was Duncan King's second Norris that I really thought that was going to go to Shea Weber. 
It should have been. Um, you know, this is a guy in a thousand games, 577 points as a defenseman, 220 goals, 104 of which are power play goals. That's top 10 in NHL defensive, like power play goal score. You know what uh, I just in remember? History? Yeah. This is one random fact, but the Predators took two people before him in the second round. <laughs> It was, um, was I believe, it? a Russian player that never came to the NHL, and then it was Kevin Klein, and then it was Shea Weber. The captain. And um, honestly, there's an argument to be made that by the end of it, uh, Shea Weber is going to be a Hockey Hall of Famer. I'm very confident. I believe it. Um, oh, yeah. Is that? Yeah, there's no question. I'm trying um, to find that is, honestly, but. is he... I don't know if this is controversial or not, but I, I, I'm, I'd say he is. Is he the best player to play for Nashville? Right now, I yeah. I think yeah. even even by the time Yossi comes and goes, I think Shea Weber should be I, – I, I think the first I – I doubt Legwan's retired. I don't even have to look that up because if it is, it's a crime. But I don't think there should be a number retired before it's Shea Weber. Didn't they just and, retire he, someone's number? There? I Who could be they? wrong. Was uh, it? Hold on. Someone might want to Nashville fact check me on that. Predators retired numbers. But, but either way, he, he right now, I think you can easily say he is the best player to ever play for the Preds. And even at the end of Roman Yossi, I think Shea Weber will still be up. Yeah. Because he's sure. honestly one of the best two way D of this generation. Um, yeah. The Predators have not retired any of their oh, jerseys, okay. apparently, except Never 99 mind. because Gretzky. Does he play for Nashville? Yeah, play for everyone. <laughs> Everyone's got it retired. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, when I was a kid and I used to go to the Rogers Center, which was the Sky Dome at the time, mm-hmm. um, I thought Jackie Robinson played for the Blue Jays because his number was retired. 42 was retired. That's fair. That's fair. I when I was like six years old. Okay, you were six. That's very fair. <laughs> All right. Um, that's everything. Yeah. For the yeah, longest yeah. time, I thought Mike Wazowski was the name of the voice actor, but it turns out Mike Wazowski is actually the character. And I'm like, oh, that's what? cool. Monster Zing. Yeah. Because um, who names a monster? The other one is named Sully. Uh, who the hell thinks, uh, you, know, you know, we should name this monster Mike Wazowski? <laughs> he sounds like a social media like platform creator. Mike Wazowski, creator of Monsters Inc. Like, come on! Like, Mike Wazowski I haven't presents. seen that movie in forever, and I really it's such want a good. It's it's a. We good should movie. bring it back for Bizarre Adventures. It's a good. I movie. would be down for that if we ever need to go back to it. We have to when season three of Drive Through Survive comes out. Yeah. Or also, it's, we do our random segments of things. You know, it is. Listen, it's it's uh, even at the age of twenty, I'd still say it's a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. One Agreed. of the worlds incorporated in Kingdom Hearts 3, actually, because of course Disney owns Pixar, and of the worlds they brought in, uh, Monsters Inc. was one of them. Good. Good. They deserve it. Yep. Too bad Kingdom <sighs> Hearts 3 sucks. Um, I'm anyway. not buying it now. What? Not buying it now. Well, it's on Game Pass for free, so. Uh, the story is like, you get so sick of hearing darkness, heart, and light playing Kingdom Hearts, you're like, God damn, how are you? Mm-hmm. Just, Let me just adjust my TV. What? Yeah, like it's not Roxas and Axel. What's going on here? Mm-hmm. Not for the Keyblade War and Xemnas Xehanort and some crap. I'm so sick of it. Um, 
How many people are going to get that reference? Probably not many. All right, that's everything. If you get the reference, please let us know. Yeah. Let us know if you've got it memorized. Only the real ones are going to get that reference. Um, all right. I'm so confused. What? <laughs> Axel. <laughs> Axel Rose? No. Ac- okay. Thank you very much for tuning into this episode of the show. We really do appreciate it. I think we just hit, we're like, we're about to hit 3K plays. Yep. Ooh. Pretty awesome. Um, thank you, the voice head, as always, for being a fantastic platform for the show. Check out Alex's blog, Daniel's stuff for the eye opener in Minnesota stuff as well. For hockey writers, check out um, my YouTube channel, HFR, will probably be coming tomorrow. I was going to do it today, but we ended up recording for two hours. Um, check us out on the podcast app on iTunes. And, oh, sorry, on Apple. I almost got it. iOS. Give us a five-star rating there and a review. Why not? Check us out on Spotify and anywhere else you could listen to your podcast. Check out the YouTube portion of the show for a visual experience of the show. You can see our beautiful faces, especially my fantastic hair. Daniel's, is that, what language is on your hat? Oh, that's a Japanese Blue Jays hat. Japanese Blue Jay hat, and Alex finally has the jersey up. Yep. Is it is James Reiner or Austin Matthews? You have to check the video to find out. Oh, as I say, it's Austin Matthews. It's okay. Break. <laughs> okay. <laughs>